guys ready to get started? Y'all ready? Who, uh, anybody have any travel plans to go up the Northwest, Washington, Oregon anytime soon? Anybody? Portland, the Portland area? No one? Not yet. So the answer to this question for me is my parents. My parents are the most crazy, awesome, spoil you, rotten to the core family. Like we fly up there and they have like brand new slippers and robes and they line like the bed with like all of our favorite candies and it's like, they, you come into their house, and you just get spoiled rotten. And so they don't have any grandchildren yet, and so they will spoil anything that, like, is associated with us at all, whether it's our dog or our friends. Uh, and it, it's getting kind of uh, fun at, at Chinese food restaurants because we don't have any kids yet, and so my mom really wants a, a grandchild, and so we'll open up a fortune cookie, and it says, there'll be a small surprise in your future. She's like, oh, my gosh, you know, and she just... She gets all excited about things like that. So if anybody ever goes through that area, it is worth a stop because my family, they don't care if they've ever met you. They'll bring you in, spoil you. They'll find you what, you know, size underwear you wear. They'll do all your laundry. They'll cook you meals on end. And and they are just absolutely the most selfless and and serving individuals I've ever met. And uh, they are absolutely fantastic and amazing people. So we don't get up there enough. We are there for the Thanksgiving and uh, it was uh, absolutely amazing. They have uh, truly uh, a giver heart and uh, a heart that I really think resembles Jesus' heart. And so we uh, turn our attention tonight to the Jesus Projects, which is our series right now, based on who Jesus is. And this was uh, inspired from one of our members here in our leadership and just uh, wanting to have us as a group go deeper into who Jesus is and who he was, and what he stood for. And this is a series that you're not going to typically hear on a, a, a random Sunday. Uh, we want to get into the areas where people aren't talking about, it, and just the whole thing that, oh, Jesus was a generous person. That's not the point of tonight. And we're going to dive into what it actually means to unlock God's promises that he has for us, because he has so many. But a lot of us, we have the wrong mentality as it approaches Jesus' character and his heart to bless us and to give us and to see us walk in fullness. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So if you have a Bible with you, we have a couple on the tables. We're going to turn into the book of John. This is John chapter 9. I'll give you a moment to get there. And this is a story I think I've heard a million different times, but it never hit me the way it did this week. And this, I think, has everything to do about why we are misrepresenting who Jesus is in our lives and what we could be experiencing. John chapter 9, verse 1. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I love this. Pause real quick. I love it how we are so quick to look at someone's faults or someone's issues or someone's drama or misfortune. And just like the disciples here, we automatically think, oh, there must be something like God must not love them. Or they must be in some sort of horrible sin or this is God's punishment for them. And I think that we often have an equation of, of that bad things happen to bad people means that sin is there and that's God sticking it to them. And I love it here because this is really refreshing to once again hear the stupid disciples in my own mind as I think these same exact things. I find this liberating. But they ask, was this because of his own sins or his parents' sins? This is the first thing we need to break tonight, is that your current circumstances have nothing to do with whether God is blessing you or not. It has nothing to do with if he's going to give you something or not. It has no bearing whatsoever. But Jesus answered it this way. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, the night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. So the disciples were not looking to help this guy. They're looking for a theological debate. They're basically like, why is this guy poor? Why is he blind? Why is he so miserable? And Jesus says, he is in these circumstances, because I'm going to reveal to you my heart as a giver. Then Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the man's eyes. 
man, if I could go back into history and witness some of Jesus' miracles, it'd probably be this one. I mean, okay, if you were to hock a loogie in this cup, it does not produce a whole lot of liquid, unless you're really talented. Uh, he made mud. If he's going to pick up dirt, and this is like grimy, donkey poo, it's got people's dirty feet. I mean, the, the, the dirt back in those days was horrible. And he picks up some dirt, and he spits in it. Now, to make mud is going to take a whole lot of spit. If you guys think about that, if you're going to grab a whole dirt clod, and you've got to hawk up enough loogies to get in that dirt and mush it around and make dirt into mud, and then put it on this guy's eyes. Can you believe that? You think like the guy's like, I'm blind, and now you're spitting on me and putting dirt in my eyes? What? He spit on the ground, made mud with a saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salome. Salome means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and some said others, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. I love this. I love it because any observer that looked at this, this circumstance right here would have thought that Jesus is mocking this man. He's going to spend all these minutes spitting into dirt into his hand and put mud into his eyes. Any observer would, would assume that is it was absolutely insulting. Why would he do that? I mean, if you're going to heal somebody, that's not the way you do it. But guess what? Jesus doesn't heal him right there. You notice that? As he puts the mud in his eyes, and the man did not receive sight like that. What does the text say? It says, Jesus told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salome. And this is awesome because John says here that Salome means scent. This means that by name and by metaphor that he's being obedient. He is being called to go somewhere else that also means that you were sent. This is a total act of obedience. So a man who was, it, we read here, it wasn't like he was offered any help to get there. He's blind. He's not deaf, right? You're blind. You now have mud in your eyes, and Jesus tells you, go down to some place and wash yourself in there. It didn't say, oh, I'll send you a donkey with you, or I'll send you one of my disciples. He just said, go do it. And he found a way, and he washed his face, and after he washed his face, he received the healing. This is absolutely critical tonight. If you hear one thing tonight, it is this, is that the healing did not come when Jesus put the mud in his eyes. The healing came when the man left in a worse condition to go seek what Jesus had promised. This man left in worse condition than, after he, than, than when he met Jesus. He came to Jesus, and his life immediately after was worse. He left with his prayers unfulfilled. You've been blind your entire life. You come to the Savior. You come to this guy who's performing miracles. And he spits and puts mud in your eyes and tells you to leave him and go wash yourself. And you're not seeing yet. I wonder how many of us feel that we are right now stuck in a place where we have mud in our eyes and we have unfulfilled prayers. I wonder how many of us have feel like we've, we've heard something from God and we're, we're sure about it, but for some reason, we're still in a place where we feel the mud's on our eyes, on our face, and we are yet unfulfilled in the prayers. I think it's crucial that this man, he didn't say, heal me first and then I'll go. He didn't say that. He wasn't like, hey, you're not done here yet. I obviously can't see yet. Why don't you get some more mud and spit in my eye? He's like, no, I'll go. He left immediately, but he left without the healing. So I want to ask you really quick, we'll spend a minute on this. Go around your table. What would you have done? What would you have done? You're encountering Jesus. He just makes mud out of spit, puts it in your eyes. Do you A, run to the river like the man did? B, just stand confused and do nothing? C, complain and feel sorry for yourself, and maybe by chance you'll wind up there? D, get mad and demand to be healed first? Or E, you fill in the blank. I don't know if you have a creative answer. Those are the only ones I could think of. What would you do, real quick? Just go around just for 30 seconds. What does your gut tell you? If that was you, what would you have done?
All right, what would you guys have done? Who says, at that moment, I would have run to the river? Right then and there. Really? Man, darn it. All right, B, who would have said that? Like, uh, I don't get this. B, yeah? I think I'm in B. C, complain and feel sorry for yourself. All right? D, get mad. What? All right. That's some bold people. Great. And anyone have a creative answer? Anybody do something outrageous here? No? Maybe? <laughs> Find a donkey taxi or something? <clears throat> but you still would have gone. I think a lot of us would probably be, in, in, and it's kind of evenly spread, but I think the majority of the, these answers is that our initial instinct, without all you great achievers there, is to not immediately run is that we're going to stay in neutral. We're going to say, like, hold on a second. This does not add up. I'm not going to go to be healed and get mud in my eyes and stand here by myself. That doesn't make any sense. So the first step in understanding Jesus' heart as a giver is the first thing is that you have to trust that Jesus is going to give. If you don't trust that he's going to give or is able or is willing to give, you have no other business to do there. You can just go home. If you don't actually trust that Jesus is going to give you something, is going to bless you, if you don't believe that and trust him, the underlying where there's trust him, then you're wasting your time. I think that it's, it's vital to understand that in here that oftentimes our journey with God is going to oftentimes become a little more uncertain before it becomes clear. As that when God wants to give us something, when God wants to provide breakthrough for us, is that oftentimes, and this has been my entire life, is where things actually get more muddy first. And I have to push through it. And there becomes a lot of doubt in that, that time when there, the mud is in your eyes. And you, you think that your circumstances are contrary to what you feel has been promised. It's contrary to what you feel God is leading. And so what you do is you, you, you attract. The first thing is we need to trust that oftentimes when God gives and he has a giver's heart is that it's going to become a lot more uncertain before it becomes clear. You look at this man, he's now mud in your eyes, he's already blind, and he doesn't even know where this pool is, and no one is, is leading him there. He had to find his way there and do it. Why? Because he trusted that God was going to do it. Is it possible that there is your own Salome place that you need to go to wash the mud off your eyes? Is it possible that there is something in your life right now where there's a promise and you have mud in your eyes, you're at that stage, you're at the unfulfilled, gosh, why does this not make sense? And has Jesus called you to some place to do something to wipe and wash the mud out of your eyes? I'm going to come back to that. Now, I like to play what-ifs. What if this blind man would have said, uh-uh? What if he was, you know, a lot like me, it's like, huh. I ain't going anywhere until you either get this mud off my eyes or you heal me. What if the blind man would have said, I don't trust you, I won't go or I won't, I won't go or I can't go? What if he would have said, well, I'm blind, I can't get there? He didn't do that. If he would have refused this journey, this is key. If the blind man would have refused the journey to the pool of Siloam, he would have missed the miracle. The miracle was contingent upon this man walking blind to this pool and washing himself. If he would have refused to go, if he would have said, I can't, I won't, I don't know how, he would have completely missed the miracle and he would have spent his entire life blind. It's crucial we understand that. And an analogy is that my love language is gift-giving. My wife will testify. And I love to go over the top. Everything about our dating relationship and our marriage, like, I've, I always love to swing for the fences. That's just, I'm just driven to do that. And so when we uh, got engaged, <clears throat> and I proposed on a private jet, and it was really cool and fun, I shared that story a couple weeks ago, is I wanted to follow it up with an equally epic honeymoon. And people are like, oh, I'll go to Cancun, or go to Hawaii, or go to different places. And it's like, I don't want to go anywhere. Those are all, like, boring places. Like, I want to go to a place where no one else has been. Or at least that you don't hear about. And I want it to be as far away from here as I can get and, or afford. And so we went to the Cook Islands. Anybody know where the Cook Islands are? That's right. I didn't think so. 
A couple of you guys do. All right. So the Cook Islands are way out between Fiji and Samoa out there. It's this tiny little group of islands. And they all speak English. The food is amazing. And it is absolutely deserted. We walked beaches, that white sand beaches, and we're the only people as far as your eye could see. We had like a little scooter that we rode around, you know, and you could drive around the entire island in about 25 minutes. And it was absolutely amazing, these, these bungalows on the sand, and that was our honeymoon for 10 days. And we just dialed it in. Like, I planned everything out. Now, so let's say that I have complete, and I'm like broke after <laughs> paying for all these events. So let's say like I have spent my last penny on this crazy honeymoon after this crazy engagement, Right? She knows I'm marrying her. And I tee up this amazing honeymoon. I have the tickets. I have the reservations. I have everything. All we need to do is just get on the plane. We'll first get married. And get on the plane and go. And what if she had said, oh, I don't believe you're going to do it. I don't think you're going to. What? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you're going to do it. I just don't believe it'll happen. I have the plane tickets. I mean, I can show you the photos. Like, we're going. I just don't believe you're going to do it. I just don't believe you're going to come through. I just don't. How discouraging would that be? All that was separating us from beautiful White Sand beaches on our honeymoon was just a little bit of time and getting on a plane. That's all that separated. How much of a bummer would it be to hear that? And I think that's exactly what we do to God. Is we're that blind man that that Jesus has just laid all the foundational work for a huge breakthrough, a huge provision, a huge blessing, a huge whatever. You fill in the blank. And he's just asking, just get on the plane. Just go to this pool. Just go wash yourself. And we believe, I don't believe you're going to do it. I just don't think you're going to. We need to trust that he is able and he is willing and he's already done it. If he's confirmed something, if he's promised something, that is his heart. We need to know that the only thing that's separating us from unlocking that promise and unlocking that blessing is just ourselves. So the blind man stepped forward, and that's the second point, is that we walk forward in trusting the promise first. You first trust the promise, and then you get your rear in gear. You trust that if you are living and desiring to do good, that the path that you take, if God is, is wanting to bless you and give you promise and desire, that the, the pathway you take has got to be a pathway that's moving you closer to that fruition and not farther away. What if the blind man had said, well, I'm not going to walk anywhere because I don't know if it's going to be the right direction. He's still blind and has mud in his eyes. Any direction would be closer than where he was. So Jesus' promises for us oftentimes are going to be tied to our simple acts of obedience. Simple acts to us moving forward. You guys got that? We, uh, we have a, a, a large nonprofit that we run in my office. It's called Worldwide Open, and it helps bring knowledge and resources and people's giftedness all together to do really cool Christian things. And, uh, and much more elaborate than that. But uh, we have uh, all these—we have to raise donations— and we go to, to large, wealthy, individual businessmen. We go to, to grant foundations. We go to these different places. And, and oftentimes, the grants, let's say they've, they've reserved $100,000 for us, right? But they're not just going to write a $100,000 check. They're going to benchmark it out in probably about 10 equal stages. And they're going to say, we have the heart and the, and the desire to give you $100,000. But before you do that, you need to admit meet these benchmarks. It's the same exact thing. It's that Jesus has a heart. He's like, I've already reserved these things for you, and you just need to walk it out. Let's t- check a, take a look at a really cool example of this again. Turn to uh, Joshua, which is in the back, right after Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Sorry. Um, so it's after Deuteronomy. Anyone hear that little childhood song to help you memorize books of the Bible? Okay, thank you. feel a little less lame. Joshua 3, verse 7. Now I want, if you have a highlighter or you have a pen, there's pens on the table. It's really important that you underline this, even if it's not your own Bible, because someone else will see it. Um, Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. 
says, The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. There's the promise. There's the, the giving first stage. Give this, the, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, everybody ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. Now this is the part you need to underline. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was a harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Underline this section too. But as soon as their feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Paraphrase. God says, I am going to be with you. All men will know I'm with you. All you need to do is you need to lead these men, and when you get to the banks of the Jordan River, and what does it say about the Jordan River? It says, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It's not like this was a drought time or where the river was low. This is when the, 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 the Jordan River was overflowing its banks, was huge. And what he says is, he says, put your foot in the water first, and then I'll provide the means for you to pass. Place your foot first into the water, and then I'll, I'll move. How about this? Turn one page backwards to Joshua 1, verse 3. This is another one you should underline. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Hear that? Is that God is saying, wherever you place your foot, I will give you that land. It's not saying, I've already given you all this land. He says, wherever you put your foot, that requires you to walk. So God is saying, I have reserved all this for you. All of these promises, all the things that we look to God to give are tied to us being bold enough to step forward. Step our foot into the overflowing river. I love these promises. This is the essence that we're going for. I think that every biggest decision of my life has always been out of an act of, of sheer boldness. Every act, everything from even meeting my wife to the businesses I, I operate and run and start, everything, everything in my life has always been these huge mammoth swings for the fences. And I've had a lot of strikeouts, but I'd rather have 100 strikeouts and have three home runs. Any day. Any day. But what that has, all that requires is that we pick up the bat and we get to the plate and we actually swing. And we swing hard. You can't hit a home run unless you do that. So we have a couple handouts to give you on these yellow sheets if uh, one of our leaders can help pass these out. This is awesome, <laughs> first off. Uh, these, as you'll find on the front, these are all the promises of Jesus, or most of them. We've gone through the work and listed out the promises so you know Jesus' own words, what he promises us. All right, so these are going to come around to you. And I just want to read off some of these. And so there, there's two sides of things. Because what we're studying tonight is that Jesus' heart is a giver. We're, we're looking at it as a context that it's kind of conditional. Jesus is a giver as long as we get off our duff. As long as we're not sitting there with the, on our, our little sofa love seat waiting for God to usher in blessings through our TV screen to us. This is requiring that we actually get out and move. So we're, we're talking about conditional promises. God's given us a ton of unconditional promises as well. Let me just rattle off a couple of these. That Jesus is always with you. John 14, that Jesus will come again. Matthew 20, Jesus gave his life for us. 
John 3.16, that Jesus loves us. Matthew 17.23, that there's resurrection of us. Now, those are, those are the ones, like, if you can fog a mirror, that you will, that those are the ones you can bank on. Now, all the rest of these, check these out. We have the promise, and then we have the conditions. Mercy, be merciful. Comfort, then mourn. Justice, then seek justice. Encounter God, be pure of heart. Earth as an inheritance, be humble. Freedom from condemnation. Believe in Jesus. God's the only Son. God is the one and the only Son. Do greater things than He. Believe in Jesus. He is God. Send the Holy Spirit. Love Jesus and obey His commands. Power to bind and loose. Speak in Jesus' name. Provision for all your needs. Seek God above all else. Forgiveness. Forgive others. Rest. Come to Jesus. Let Him teach you. Receive what you ask for. Ask in Jesus' name. Authority over the enemy. Accept Jesus. Act in faith. Wisdom. Listen to Jesus' teaching and follow it. All things are possible. Act in God's strength. Healing. Have faith. Be a child of the Father. Bless those that curse you. Protection. Accept God as your Father. Bring others to Christ. Follow Jesus. Salvation. Come to Jesus. Got it? I mean, this whole entire list, these are all, I mean, this, not every single one. These are just the ones we can fill on this page. There's a lot of other ones, but these are the promises that we seek and we desire. We look at this page, and we, we look, it's like, God, would you provide for me? Would you help me get through these circumstances? So many of these things are dependent upon our actions. Jesus is the most generous giver, but he's not going to allow us to be trust fund Christians. Do you know anybody who's trust funded? So obnoxious. I, forgive me, funny, because <laughs> they're trust funded. But I know a couple of people that, man, they are just the most obnoxious people to be around because they walk around such entitlement. Oh, they just own you. They own everything around you. They own, I mean, just, it's, it's just so nauseating. I don't believe that God wants us to have this trust fund mentality of, of him for his giving. I think he wants us to kind of earn it and kind of work for it. Not, not jump through hoops, not be perfect, but to do a few simple things. And here's the number one thing. Here's the number one reason why I think a lot of us are not walking in the fulfillment of some of these promises. Is that I think oftentimes we're not even making those desires and those requests known to God. That we're not even speaking to God. We're not even letting him know, hey, this is what I need right now. Hello? I mean, we'll talk to other people about it, but we won't talk to God about it. My wife, she inspires me. She was declaring uh, this weekend at this uh, uh, vet conference in Las Vegas we went to. Um, there's all these uh, cowboys and, and hicks, and, which is really out of my element. Um, it's fun seeing, like, women walk around that jeans, like, go up to there. I don't get where you get those, but there were a lot of them there. But we went to this, this Christian Bible study, and, and so there's this, this woman who, um, she was in school, and I think she has two years left, and she's like, I'm just really worried for what I'm going to do in May 2011, and I'm just so worried about it. And I was like, 2011? I don't know what I'm doing in 11 minutes, let alone, you know, a couple years. Like, how can you be stressing out all that distance away? Like, the world could implode next week. Who knows? Like, why are you stressing out for all that, that time away? And, and, and Camille, she, she kind of responded, and, and she said, I think that a lot of people pray out of fear. They pray out of a place of total intimidation and total fear. They don't pray expecting God. They don't pray looking at this promise list, looking at knowing what God is having a desire to bless you, to give you these things. We're not praying out of a perspective that those are yours if you, if you take it. I think it's all in the delivery too. We need to bring those requests to God. We need to see God, and we need to be specific we be like, God, this job, this person, make them wake up and think of me. Wake them out of their sleep right now. Let them call me. This relationship, provide breakthrough here, provide movement. This issue that we're having challenges with, would you provide for this exact issue? Don't just be like this whole general thing. Provide love and peace and all those good things. Amen. I think God is so minimalized when we bring such broad strokes in our prayers to him. How does it sound, too? Does it sound whiny? 
God, I'm broke. Bring some money my way. You know, like, how does that go for, for God to listen to it? I think that also plays a, a, a piece. Many of you guys aren't married. I'm married, <clears throat> obviously. But um, I, I often think of how everything is, is so much different when it's couched to a different way. If my wife was like, have you taken out the trash yet? You know, like, I would be so demotivated from doing anything. It's like, nope, I'm working on something. But if my wife came up and was like, hey, you hunk of meatball-y, muscular sexiness, take your big muscles and take out that trash. I'd be like, yeah, you know. And, you know I would, I mean, it's all in delivery, isn't it? Do we, do we come to God asking, why aren't you doing this? Or do we come to God and say, you are so mighty and powerful. Do we adore God? Do we adore his ability to do what we are asking him to do? Do we come praying expectantly with the specificity that he wants and come in and say, you are able to do this. I'd love it if you do this because you are able. If you are willing, would you do this and be specific? Prayer works. Every morning at 7, ever since I... <laughs> when, I uh, when I graduated college, I was getting married in like four months, three months, two months, two months. I was getting married in two months after graduating college. I was living in a dorm room my senior year, and I started my business a few months earlier. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm getting married, starting a business, and I have to provide money here real quick, all on my own, no help. It wasn't like we got this huge gift and present from all these families of all this money. It's like I had $600 and broke after an awesome honeymoon, but now I got to get my butt to work. And I realized I am in need of some serious prayer. Because God has got to fill this gap in this equation. No one would look at my circumstances and think that I could make it. And so my uncle started something with me at 7 a.m. every single morning. We prayed for half hour. And I signed up with such a like, oh, this is so lame. I'll just do it for a couple weeks. I'll just do it for a week. I'll just do it for a few days. And he, he encouraged me. He drugged me. In. If I didn't call him right at 7, I get a call at 7.01. Every single day. We would get together and we'd pray. We'd pray about our businesses. We'd pray about our relationships. We'd pray about the people that frustrate us. We'd pray about the things that frustrate us. And we'd ask God to change and mold our hearts. Every morning at 7. Every morning. That went on for four years. And the only reason it stopped is that we felt that there was such transformation in what happened every morning at 7 is that we needed to go find somebody else. So I found somebody else. Prayed about it and I had a guy who asked me, he's like, hey, I want, to, I want to do something like this. And I told him, I was like, hey, I've been just released of this. I've been looking for someone too. And so every morning at 7, we get up, we pray for our businesses, we pray for our wives, and we get down to the very nitty details. And we always start with saying, God, you are able, you are awesome, you are generous and giving God. And we spend the first several minutes just praising God, just telling him who he is and reciting back these promises. God, you promise us this. We love you for that. And then, I, I'll pray down to the, the very details. Help me estimate this job exactly right. I just did a, a presentation for a huge company in Eldorado Hills, and I felt terrible about it. I felt just out of my elements. This, this big investment firm, they have, I think, $400 million under management, and I'm feeling like a total tool there because there's really no reason they need me. And I didn't feel good about it at all. And I went back and I said, God, like, I'd love to do this project, but I need you to provide breakthrough. And I, I prayed specifically about this deal, about the numbers I'd put on that estimate. I got a call today. Got it. Stoked. But you know Why? And this has been every single thing is that when I focus on the small details, when I give God these little tiny details, I begin to see his transformation in those little tiny details. But I think a lot of us, we just, we want to think and just be broad. We want to just say, God, just make things better. I think that he wants so much more for that. If we were to press in and to focus and to take action on the small things, how much more power would we be walking in? If we really petition God for the little things, for the, the health of our vehicles even, for the, the provision for lenience in our jobs and for, and for good deals on our rent. Like, I pray because the economy is being going down south, and, and so that's obviously been affecting our income. And so I've been stressing out because I have all this office space, and I just said, God, give me unmerited favor in my office space. 
I, I, I don't want to move spaces yet. If you want me to move, I'll move. I don't care about all the space. But give me favor here. And we prayed about it for weeks. And we just came in and we just gave them the numbers. Like, here's what we can afford. And we gave it to them. It was half of what we were paying. And they went for it. And we said, oh, also, we can't sign any long-term leases. We want to do a month-to-month lease so we can go out of business anytime we want. Um, which no one will do that. If you are going to negotiate down price, they'll want to lock you in for a long time. I'm telling you, God's answers to prayers are in the smallest of details. The tiniest of details, and he wants to know them. So, I'm going to pause here, and then we'll wrap it up. This guy. Look on the back. This is where we bring the teeth into the tonight. I want you to we have pens in the little buckets. We should have pens, enough pens for everybody. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand. We'll grab some more pens. But what I want you to do is I want you to get very, very specific. And I want you to write down some things. What are some very specific things that you need God to provide for? Jesus is the giver. That is his character. That is his heart. We've looked at it time and time again. I'm a living, walking example for God who provides in the smallest of things. So I want you to take a moment and I want you to write down, what are some small things? It could be anything. It could be anything. The smallest of requests are precious to God. Would you take a few minutes and would you write down some things? And then the second one. Just ask, are there areas of your life that are off limits to God? Are there areas of your life that you've said, this is not for you, this is really kind of for me? I'll be honest with you, I think that romantic relationships are the number one spot for this. Like, God, do everything else here, but don't touch my relationship. I'm kind of happy with it right now. Even though it doesn't honor you, just don't touch that. Just bless everything else. So are there some areas right now that are off limits to God in your life? And just take a couple minutes. I'm dedicating time to this because I think so few of us ever think this small about these things. And then after you write down a few things, could you guys be as so bold to share one thing with the group? There's so much encouragement that comes from the sharing of other individual lives. There comes so much power and so much encouragement from hearing other people. Would you take a moment after you write something down and just share, like, I really need breakthrough in a job. I really need breakthrough in getting into school. I really need breakthrough in a relationship. I need breakthrough in, in time management. I need something, whatever it is. We'll pause for a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll pick it back up and close out. <clears throat> we'll turn on some, some music and then let you guys share. Just share one thing at your table. Don't share like, man, I have this crazy addiction that's just ravaging my life. I mean, you, you don't need to share something like that. <laughs> But just share, like, anything that, that would be for the group. So we'll let you share for just a moment. One more? There we go. Uh, how you guys doing? Does that feel good? Does that feel like, okay, I've gotten some things out, I've said... Some things that, have you been feeling all right about that? Yeah? I have a, a buddy I'm going to have come up here real quick. Mike, get up here. Let's give Mike a lot of hand. Come on, buddy. I think this guy will turn on. There it is. Yes. Hello. Mike, so tell me what your skills, passions, what your vocation, what are you really good at? Tools and using them. <laughs> Tools and fools. Uh, this is, Mike is our kind of fearless leader. What's really dangerous right now is like, I'm like the harebrained, like, let's build a rocket ship kind of guy. We now have an engineer in our group that can actually make it fly, and then he's, this is our guy that can make it happen. So, uh, and tell me about what your job was. Uh, basically, I was just like doing rig, kitchen and bathroom remodels, and like I hire uh, wealthy neighborhoods. And that's been declining over the yeah, economy. Yeah, it's been declining because wealthy people don't have that much money. 
right now. So what was happening to all your hours and your, your job? So pretty much it went from 40 hours a week to 30 to 20 to from five days a week down to like two maybe. And you're on an hour by hour basis, right? Yeah, hourly, so. So just hanging out to dry. Pretty much. So what was something that you were needing breakthrough over the past few months? Definitely finances was a huge uh, breakthrough that I needed because uh, bills just kept mounting up and having to pay them when you're not getting paid uh, doesn't work out very well. And were you discouraged? Uh, big time because it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like I had nothing. So I had a, a mutual contact that I helped kind of, uh, that well, actually we knew, but I, I kept on telling Mike, like, hey, I think there's an opportunity here, and, and you reached out to the guy, right? Yeah, I uh, heard Help. about an, an opportunity and uh, kind of gave him a call. How long ago was that, first that was time? Like probably a couple of months ago now. A couple of months ago, and did you get a call back? Yeah, I never heard back from him after calling him a couple times. So I was like, oh, well, maybe they don't need me or whatever. I was like, just forget about it. And then a couple months went by, kept calling. Yeah, and then a couple of months went by, I heard they still kind of needed help, so I called a couple more times and left some more messages, but still didn't really hear anything. Nothing. I was kind of like, well, maybe they don't know who I am or whatever, so I left more detailed messages. And <laughs> so, so what happened about two weeks ago? You were at a, a point where you had bills mounting, you had, you almost were off for, I think, two weeks or something, like what was going on? So pretty much a couple of weeks ago, I didn't work for like a week and a half straight. I didn't have any work. And I was just like, man, I need to pay some bills and I need work. So uh, <coughs> me and a couple uh, buddies kind of got together that uh, also needed some financial breakthrough. And we just uh, took a couple days of just prayer and fasting, which is something I've never done before. Uh, just, I don't know. I didn't believe in it or didn't think mm -hmm. it was I needed it because I'd always been taken care of and I didn't need help financially or any way. But I just thought, you know, I'm desperate, so I'll try anything. And what was the content of, of those prayers? How specific was it? Uh, it started out pretty broad at first, and then uh, through talking to some people, it just kind of like dove into real deep, uh, real specific things like, like, hey, make my phone ring right now from this guy. <laughs> Let him, my name come up in their office uh, multiple times from multiple people. Uh, yeah. So you finished fasting, you petitioned, and you got specific, even the example of like, let him wake up in his sleep. That, that was, this was, <laughs> this is Mike. So the next day you called, and, and then what happened? After fasting, after praying and seeking. So after fasting, I called uh, one more time, and it was kind of like, listen, I don't have any work at all. You know, if you don't, uh, if you don't trust my skills or my labor, you know, I'll come work a week for you for free, and so you can see what kind of worker I am. You know, and so I left that on, you know, the voicemail, and uh, kind of expected a call like within like an hour. But uh, after a couple days, and I didn't hear anything, I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe that's just like not the thing for me. And uh, but I was just kind of like still like trusting. I was just like, all right, God, well, I got to trust you now. Like whatever, whatever happens, it's gonna happen. So. And they end up giving you the opportunity to work with them. Yeah, and then. Kind of after I had kind of just been like, all right, God, that's it. Like, I, had, I don't know what else to do. That's when my phone Promise rang. is a provision, right? Yeah. You're going to provide. Yeah. So you start working with them, and <clears throat> you've been working for them for how many weeks now? So I've been on them with them for a couple weeks now. They had told me that they're going to be able to give me two to three days a week, uh, probably. But it's been two full weeks of... Uh, over 40 hours a week uh, of time. And how does the pay compare to your old job? And the pay is double of what my old job was, so that was a big bonus. <laughs> nice. 
Cool. Thanks for sharing, Mike. Let's give Mike a hand. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is, I love that I got a front row seat for this is that, that Mike sought with such specific detail and went after this and fasted and gave his, his body. This is what I love about fasting. If any of you guys have never fasted before, it is amazing because what it, it takes your, your words and your desire and your supplication to God, and it magnifies it that your body would cry out, that your flesh cries out to God for this breakthrough. When you commit your body and you say, I'm going to withhold food and I'm going to to give the authority of God to be my strength and my power, that your body would well up. And fasting is not fun. You get uncomfortable, you get cranky, you get headaches, and that your body becomes this living, crying being to God, saying, God, I need breakthrough here. And it was amazing. And what the awesome thing is, that if Mike would have given up early on, if he would have just called once or twice, I think, I, I gotta remember, there's probably about six or seven phone calls. And it wasn't just like, you know, oh, hey, you know, if it, by chance, you know, Mike took the promises and said, God, you have better, you have higher, you have a promise, you have provision for me, and I'm going to go beat down the doors. I'm going to show up to this guy's house so he knows who I am. Do we have that ability to walk in God's promises and go and fulfill them? If we feel that God is moving and is providing for that, are we willing to do whatever it takes and to walk wherever we need to walk to that pool? I think that's what we need to come to grips with tonight. I think perception is going to be everything. You need to, to know that, that God will align the resources to those who make their requests known to God. God will supernaturally, when you make those requests known to him, he will make those resources available. I had a crazy conference I went to. I got a free laptop. It's like stoked. I live around LCD screens all day long. I don't need another laptop. And so I was like, oh, I'll just use this for here and there. And what happens, a couple weeks later, I get a guy who's like, man, I'm really praying t- to get a laptop. Do you know any good deals? Do you know any used ones? Do you have anything like that? And all of a sudden it dawned on me that God had temporarily given me this laptop so that there was someone that would be seeking God for it, that I could say, hey, this was reserved for you from the beginning. That God knew that you would seek him for a cheap laptop, knowing that you couldn't afford one, and that you brought it and you had people pray for it, that just, I need a small Thing. I need to be able to do this. I need something. And that God knew that I would be traveling somewhere, by chance go to a conference, get a free laptop. Who gets that? Anyways. And then be able to just line the dots. It wasn't that, oh, look at me. I gave it. It's like, that was never my laptop to begin with. Is that when you seek God, God will automatically align up the resources for you to take them. When you seek him with that spe- specificity and specific nature in prayer, that God will begin to provide and move. And I talked to him, and he's been sending me all these text messages lately. I was like, it's not me, man. And he had been praying for that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I felt so good. Just that God is so cool to hook it up like that, that he would hear the request of someone over here and begin to stir over here. It wasn't this, like, automatic lightning bolt, but Jesus' promises are, are here. And it's plain as we can see. I want the band come up. Real quick before the the band finishes in prayer, I just want to maybe take a minute. Maybe can I have some of the leadership up here real quick? And what I want to do is I just want us to be quiet just for a moment. And I just want us to be bold. And if we could, if we could all just like bow our heads and just be quiet in prayer. And if you have a need, you just want to shout out. You just want to say a job finances. It could be a relationship. It could be anything. Can we just like commit that corporately? Can we all join hands? I know that might be awkward, but I just would like to do it anyways. And I just, I just want us like as a group to like seek God and just, if you could join a hand and let's just pray and then have a moment. We'll just take a minute here and if you can just yell out something. What you need. So God, we just come before you right now and, and Lord, as we just commit these things to you, Lord, we just pray for breakthrough. God, we pray for the boldness to do whatever it takes, God, for the areas in which you need us to move. And so corporately, God, where two or more are gathered, God, you are here. And where two or more are in agreement, God, we as a community agree to what would take place here. God, we pray for the breakthrough and the provision and for the providence for the things that you would have 
in us and in this body and this community. And so, Lord, as we commit these to you, would you move in us and be bold. Lord, I pray that we would be bold with who we are, what we are, and where we need you to be. And so, God, we come in agreement, and we ask that you just would move. Lord, for breakthrough in every area of our life. <clears throat> God, I pray for a reconciliation of relationships. And God, that you just would set us on a path. I pray for clarity for those who, God, have mud still stuck in their eyes, Lord, looking to where to go. God, may we write these promises, God, on our hearts. And Lord, may we just read them back to you. And God, may you totally and radically transform our lives for what you would do. God, we love you and we seek you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So here's the deal. We'll do some music here. We'll have some of our leaders over there. <clears throat> We'd love to pray with you if you need breakthrough for any particular issue. Again, this is large or small. Don't, don't be bashful on this stuff. Um, so we'll have a couple people over there. And um, I want to encourage you guys that I have never been more excited for the lives of this community than now. I believe that I'm seeing individuals that are taking captive and taking hold of the promises of God and they're moving them and activating them. And so if you're bummed out right now, then you need to totally transform your perception of Jesus. Because Jesus is just not the person who takes. Maybe, maybe your perception of Jesus is a guy who steals your freedom, gives you bummers, and tells you what not to do. And I'm challenging you tonight to look at God as the fulfiller and the author of your dreams that he is the provider for all the things that you need and more. Can we change our perception? Can we walk in boldness? Can we cite back these promises to Jesus in our prayers this week? I want you guys to keep these. Keep them in your Bible. This will keep you from looking around. Keep this, and then next time you pray in the morning, read these and say, God, I need comfort. God, give me comfort. God, I need providence. God, I need provision. I need these things. And you read through here and recite back the things that God did. You said you would give me healing. God, you said that all things are possible. Why is this thing not possible? What needs to happen in my life for this to be possible? Would you do that? Why don't we all stand? Are you guys feeling all right? Seize the day, right? So we're going to do some music here. We'll kill the lights. And we're going to expect awesome things. Let's sing. Let's sing.